All right, so I think we just need to have uh, Plum hop on and uh, write the intro, and we should be good to go. Oh, yeah, to that end, we just got a text. We are not a priority today. Well, you're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined as always, truly, Kevin Greck. Greckers, how you doing, buddy? My steady man. Yeah, uh, reliable. No COVID in the program over here. So uh, mm. I'm, I'm available for game time, unlike some other ones, some other listener guests. Yes, uh, to think that someone was flirting with being a, a co-host... And then so resoundingly rejected that. Uh, yeah, we were just, without. <laughs> just a week later. Like, put some time in between it, at least, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if, if he's with us next week. But Alex Plum will not be joining us today, uh, which means we can cut to the part where I say thank you, of course, to everyone for listening. And please share the pod with Spartans in your life. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And follow us on the old Twitter machine and Instagram at Spartan underscore pod. Uh, Greg, what are we doing uh, this week on the pod? So uh, the structure of the show, as it always is, begins with a green wall. And of course, there's a sport that always leads there, football. And there are developments this week. Stuff has been happening. Um, a lot of stuff, actually. So we'll do that. We'll cover those. Uh, then we'll go to basketball, where there was one game played the last week. Un game. Uh, and then we'll talk about the one that wasn't played, uh, as well as uh, some personnel developments in the basketball program as well. Then we'll go off Grand River, where I don't think we have anything. It, it's blank on our on our outline here. Uh, but then we will preview uh, upcoming games against two teams that we've already seen this year, actually. Minnesota on Wednesday at Brez and uh, Northwestern the weekend. Also at Breslin, really? Yeah. We get two home games this week. That's yep. fantastic. Yeah, those uh, those two teams that you mentioned were both road victories, uh, two big road victories, actually. So They're all big in the Big Ten. Uh, big <laughs> stage, big life, big victory against Northwestern. Uh, and then finally, of course, we will take those Twitter questions, of which we have a lot this week, actually. Yeah, I saw you did some self-editing on some of them. Wait, I did? Uh, well, uh, 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 Maple Leaf, unless she's got a running bit. I, I think never... she does. I think this, oh, okay. These are continuations from last week. <laughs> well, S- stay right. tuned, listeners, because Maple Leaf's questions start at number four. This is a part deux. Uh Cannot wait to see how long we make this bit go, but I appreciate the effort. All right. Let's, uh, yeah, let's head beyond the green wall. And um, I know everyone wants to talk about the basketball program, but it really was, I think, uh, quietly a huge week for the football program in terms of uh, what's what's being run back, what's been added. So and let's we start- should say, sorry, uh, just to timestamp this, we are recording Sunday night, Sunday evening. So this is subject to change a little bit, but continue. Yeah. So uh, let's start with uh, who has announced that they're coming back for another year. Um, so Jarrett Horst, uh, le- starting left tackle for most of the season and, and missed the last few games uh, will be returning. Uh, I 
I don't think it's a small thing to say that that is a massive deal. Yeah. Uh, for for this team, because while it was a bit of a bummer that Horst uh, was not available for the the, the last part of the season, um, I mean, made a meaningful impact on the the performance of the offensive line for for the the part of the season that we were really good in. Can um, I can I put yeah. my plum hat on for a minute and just ask the question? Without him, where were we going to get all of our personal fouls for next year? Yeah, so um, I hope in his time off, uh, you know, getting getting better, that he he did some reflection on just how hard he likes to finish a play. Uh, and maybe we have a few personal fouls. But uh, in all sincerity, I mean, the the left side of the line is where you saw Ken Walker bounce a lot of his runs out of. And it mm-hmm. was because of horse's ability to set an edge and get to the next level. And, um, and so that, you know, is, is, is a massive return for this team that is going to have to fill a lot of pieces on the offensive line. Um, and a place that I frankly think we're probably going to see some transfer portal activity still. Yeah. Um, next up on returners, uh, Ronald Williams, cornerback who, uh, got picked on in the Northwestern game. And then you saw fewer and fewer targets go his way. As Turns as, out, I think yeah. opposing offenses determined he was not the necessarily the direction that you wanted to target. Yeah, so options. that, um, you know, I, I know we're all looking for improvements in the secondary, but Ronald Williams turned himself into a pretty okay corner, a, a steady one and a reliable one uh, in the back half of the season. And, and I think that's nothing short of a big deal. Uh, to get a returner there because uh, I mean, everyone's returning otherwise, but guy has, has the measurables to get a look in the league. And I think, you know, this is an opportunity to really cement himself as a big deal. And so um, a big pickup for the staff because uh, Horst, like Horst, uh, Ronald Williams had an opportunity to consider going pro. So you, I think it's fair to say you can look at these as pickups for this, for the staff. Um, you know, Tucker talked about, you're always recruiting your own players too. Um, Next up, and in, 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 uh, the last two, I can compete, I think, for the biggest deal of all. But Xavier Henderson has announced he's returning for his COVID year. And he had the best announcement of them all. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, share, share with folks in case they missed so, it. So for anyone that's not on Twitter following each one of these, the whims of, of the student athletes, when a guy makes a declaration one way or another, there's like these days there's a big produced like image that's made and there's like their no it used to be the notes app but now that's moved over to this image where it's all like stylized and uh there's you know pictures of them and their offensive or defensive stances or catching a ball or whatever it is uh that is not the case for Xavier Henderson who was just like hey guys I'm coming back end of tweet <laughs> and and was like I don't think this is a big enough deal to warn a graphic <laughs> which Kind of a dig at his teammates, but, you know, I'm here for it. I think it's a dig at society and where we're at right now, which I, I mean, I'm on board with. Xavier. Yeah, I, X, I mean, was is a fantastic leader on this team and is clearly a guy who's bought into Mel Tucker's culture. Was the only player that was a captain every game all season, correct? Yeah, and always, I believe, always picked by the coaches. Um, uh, not, that I, not that his peers wouldn't have selected him. Sure. But, uh, you know, so in terms of, you know, we're, we're in year, we're going to be entering year three. Um, and you know, I think people would put still an asterisk on like 
you know, how long Tucker's had to really build culture and say that maybe it's, you know, kind of a year two, 2.5, whatever. But X coming back, I think, is a big deal, not only from his performance on the field, which is usually pretty good to mm-hmm. great, um, but also that that tenure, that leadership, uh, you can't sleep on that, particularly as we've got some four-star dudes coming in at the safety position that, uh, you know, that's that's a great mentorship opportunity. Yeah, it takes the pressure off of those guys. That next, yeah, you know, that next generation potentially them, gives them a year to redshirt if if that's a thing that the they and the staff decide is the right move. Do like, those exist anymore? Do we still redshirt? Is that <laughs> well, new program, new philosophy. <laughs> um, and it, it, you know, and the other thing to jump back to Ronald Williams is that depending on what you saw leave at corner, you could end up seeing Angelo Gross at safety having to pop back, or you know, if if X had left, maybe Angelo Gross has to slide over, like. This this keeps your the back of the field intact. And mm-hmm. and you know, we all were not thrilled with the pass defense, but there is something to experience and um and a, we those are two two big gets. Um but the one that got the most headlines uh was Jaden Reed announcing he's not gonna go to the pros, is gonna come back for another year. Um I don't know if we want to talk about what we think about that decision. I don't really care as long as he's doing what what he wants to do. Yeah, um, I, I don't it feels care like he's to not going to be living. Yeah, about a, a guy that's not going to the draft about what his performance in that draft was going to be. Um, I'm or what sure, he can get out of this next year, or whether that improves it. Yeah, if like, you're a listener and you're interested in that, those discussions are being had somewhere out there. My interest in what this means for the team in the future, because as we're about to discuss, um, not all of the wide receiving core is coming back. So uh, to have the number one option uh, and a guy that, you know, has just such a rapport with the quarterback uh, coming back. for That relationship building that just happened overnight is incredible. And now the next generation is uh, is stepping up. We'll get to it. Uh, it. That's massive. I, of all of these, this one genuinely surprised me. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess X coming back only because he'd been a four-year starter. Mm-hmm. You know, and he, you could see where it's like, I'm ready to move on from college. Mm-hmm. Because as much as I think uh, uh, most folks would kind of Peter Pan their way about college and be like, why would you ever want to leave? These these guys don't have the same college experience the rest of us. Do. Yeah, I was just going to say, because <laughs> these guys have to get up at, at 5.30 to go Spent- get yelled at to lift more weights. <laughs> it's and not- spend a year getting nose swabbed every day. Like, yeah. you know. They're not coming back because they can go to the bars finally. Uh, right, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. And they haven't had the chance, you know, to spend enough time at the Riv yet. And they know that they can work their schedule so that they don't have any classes on Friday. That's not how the situation works. No. Guys. Uh, you know, I think two things to think about with Jaden Reed, though, that that are uh, interesting to me is that, you know, someone cut up uh, clips of his past this past season and his. His ability to to catch contested balls was was truly at an elite level. And so as we look at potentially maybe tougher sledding on on the on the run front, mm-hmm. uh, that's, you know, his he's going to get more usage and more volume probably this next year than he did this previous one. 
Um, and then the other pieces that I would say, if you, you know, is we talked about the glamour shots of the dudes and their, their body transformation photos from what, two years ago now to let this past mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was Jaden Reed with one year in the weight room. And, you know, I, I know we're going to talk about a ton, but it, it's, it would, it's undeniable that his measurables, um, are, are a thing that, that the NFL is going to look at. And so his ability to get another year of working on his body, I, I'm excited for, for what he's able to do with an additional year of strength and conditioning is I guess what I would leave it at. Yeah. And now I guess we're kind of finding ourselves in the NFL discussion anyway. Uh, One of the big knocks is speed. So if you can figure out a way to take a little bit off that 40 time as well, that will pay dividends next year when he goes for real. Yeah. So let's talk about, yeah, go ahead. Let's talk about the guys that are not coming back. Uh, and we can start, like I said, in the wide receiver core. Um, Naylor is is not returning. He's going to – Jalen uh, is going to try his hand in the NFL draft. So yep. best of luck to him. Um, who else is gone? Uh, Kevin Jarvis, who was at times uh, starting right guard and at other times uh, starting uh, – I'm sorry. At times was starting uh, – uh, right, right tackle, left tackle, and yeah. at other times was uh the uh, played guard. Um, I mean, uh, any of these guys who did their full time and chose not to take a COVID year, I really do. Like we were just talking about it, but like, I mean, first of all, good luck in pursuing your your professional ambitions. That probably sounded right. a little sarcastic, and I didn't mean it that way. But I'm not going to begrudge anyone who said. I'm I I'm either going to play pro or not. And I'm, I'm ready to move on from this phase in my life. So um, it, it's a loss for sure though. Cause Kevin Jarvis was definitely when he was healthy, one of our best linemen over the last several years. For sure. So uh big loss, but best of luck. Uh, the other loss, I guess uh, is Trenton Gillison is heading to the portal uh, former four-star tight end recruit who, I mean, uh, it, it had a, a bit of, of a foster, had a bit of a foster lawyer experience at Michigan state, I think is yeah. the best way to say it. So, um, I, I hope he finds uh, greener pastures and, um, and, and does well, but he has left the team. This shouldn't come as a surprise at all though, because it's, it's very clear that Malik Carr is next man up. Um, and you saw that in the bowl game. Yeah, when it wasn't he had Hayward, one reception was this year. 2021, Trent, one reception. Trenton Gillison had... Oof, oof. Yeah. So uh, that's who's gone. Uh, one more stay, though, that actually we didn't talk about last week that I think we should have is that USC and Lincoln Riley made a run at Coach Cap. Uh, yeah. What do we know about this situation? I mean, they, I, I... They offered him money. Yeah. And I mean, look, I think Michigan State is a is a top tier school in terms of destinations. But we know USC from a brand and resources perspective is is on a special level. Um, And Cap stayed and didn't ask for more money, which I thought was the most. I mean, he already received a raise this year, but. Yeah, I was going to say as part of the new restructuring deal, the staff. There is more money for the staff. Now, how that gets, you know, doled out is up to Tuck. But um, so Coach Cap is is our 
offensive line coach. What else do we and, know about him? Uh, he's associate. He's associate head coach as well, or assistant head coach, or whatever. So if Tuck's gone, Caps in charge, yeah. uh, and he's the run game coordinator as well. So uh, you know, it's he was someone who, when he was with Tucker at uh, Colorado, Auburn attempted to poach. Um, so you know, I think this tells me a few things. One, he's a good coach yeah. and a good recruiter, and so. You know, the tough thing about being an offensive line coach and your recruits is you don't see the results right away because it takes some time. And I think given how that first recruiting class went for them, we might need to wait. Cap deserves a couple years of uh, of time to, you know, get, you know, uh, see the proof. But and was in on Keonta Goodwin despite the relationship at Kentucky. Um, so. I, I think this says a lot and it says a lot about his buy-in on what's going on with Tucker and how he views his, his time with Tucker as the ladder to whatever his next step is. Um, whether that's an OC job or a head coaching job that, you know, I think he sees where he's at now as the place to stay. Makes sense. So, Glad to have big, him. I mean, we've heard nothing but good things about coach cap, right? Basically. Yeah. And a lot of good I, recruiting news, a lot of good, a lot of good mentions. Yeah, and if anyone ever has the opportunity to like watch a press conference with him um, or any of the media that he's done through Michigan State directly, you you get it. Like the the he has an ability to talk about playing that position in a way that uh, translates to to listeners. Like he mm-hmm. he's clearly a very good teacher. Um, his his ability to make transformations on some of the advanced metrics as it relates to offensive lines early on indicate that he's a good teacher. Uh, and the fact that he's been attempted to be poached by very good schools is a good indicator. But he's also got an infectious energy to him. I, I, I mean, I will say that about most of the the staff that Tucker has is like you you get the sense that they really are bought in and, and energetic folks. So um, big stay. Big stay. Speaking of energetic folks, speaking of good recruiters, uh, some of the early enrollees are on campus now, and mm-hmm. uh, that includes Mr. Caton Hauser, uh, who has been on the recruiting trail for MSU. Do you want to introduce us to the uh, newest addition to the recruiting class of yeah. 2022? Uh, so no small thing. Uh, Michigan State has flipped from the University of Washington, a player that had already signed an an LI, um, Jeremy Bernard has uh, left Washington, is now on campus and early enrolled. He is a four-star wide receiver, 6'2", 195, and tell me if this sounds familiar, uh, childhood friends with Caton Hauser. I Uh, I can't believe it. I I wonder if that plays out you know, to the advantage of these players in the long term. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the analysis on him is that he is good. He's a top, uh, top 250 kid in the country. I think he's 221 or something like that. I mean, who cares? Um, it doesn't matter. He's, he's good. Uh, yeah. he is, he's strong. Uh, I think is, is one of the, the early notes on him is that he, like he has a day one body in terms of where his strength and conditioning is at. Um, fast and notably is a really good route runner for his age, uh, is able to get separation early because of his ability. 
Um, he's he's good vertically in terms of you know can can high point some balls and, and make contested catches with really strong hands and and presents a a nice target for for quarterbacks. So, uh, Kevin, this officially moves Michigan State for the moment anyway into a top twenty class at. 17th overall um and and fourth in the big 10 uh where we at on tucker and recruiting so i i had been saying for a while last year i'll wait until i can see it and now we're starting to see it where i mean 17th overall class is pretty good um i think msu class like 15th or 16th yeah it turned out being somewhere in there it was like 10th for a while but then things fluctuated it turned out there i i kind of think msu naturally ends up in the high teens low 20s that's sort of where i would expect an msu class to be so when you start getting into the mid-teens lower teens maybe even into the single digits that's when you're recruiting sort of at that next level and it looks like if twitter activity and crystal balls and those types of things are to be believed that's sort of the future of this program. But in year two, under the circumstances, which we all know, pretty good. Pretty yeah. good class. Off of a two and five season. Yeah, really good class. Um, and, you know, I don't know how things are going to shake out with other folks that MSU is targeting for the remainder of this class. But they are, I believe, exclusively in big game hunting mode. Mm-hmm. So uh, you you could see some additional movement that. Um, that that really puts this class in a place where you're like, what is happening here? Uh, so big get, uh, big flip. I, you know, I don't. I mean, Kevin, it, we well, our fi- wide receiver room is insane. It well, it's just got four new guys. I mean, four wide receivers in one class is a lot. So that's kind of interesting. But before we move on, um, are we done? I know there's a bunch of rumors, things sort of have simmered. Is this it in all likelihood? Does it seem like for 2022? Uh, I don't know if things have changed with Citizen, uh, but that's what I was alluding to, is that uh, MSU's making a push on a four-star running back that's a decommit right. from LSU. Right. I think it's Trevante Citizen. Um, and, you know, uh, we're at 23 ads, I think, right now. So Sounds I think right. they've they've got two spots left, um, if they want. And it well, I I don't know how many transfers they've taken. So four, it, four transfers so far. So they've got and it, they've got five spots left that they can they can take. Yeah, they've got five spots left. Is the best way of saying it. So, um, you know, I I think they're not taken from the the 2022 class unless it's someone that that really scratches an itch that they that they feel like they they need um and my guess is that they're not looking at three stars you know uh i'm just their their class is built out is what i'm saying so like unless you're gonna really land something um i i don't think they're gonna they're gonna take but i and we have so many immediate needs if we're looking to replicate success or flirt with the success we had this past year that i i would suspect that they're looking for for folks who can be starters um and so I think you see more of that out of the transfer portal. All right. Anything uh, Anything else on the football team before we move on to basketball? Uh, not that comes to mind unless you got anything. No, 
No, no, no, no. So, uh, two games, or was supposed to be two games this week, uh, turned out to be just one. Uh, MSU, of course, played uh, Nebraska in a game that, um, I think it was kind of a tale of two halves. Like, what What do you think? I The first half started off horribly from a turnover yeah. perspective. There were like, there was a turnover a minute. It was, it was more like, than, yeah, it was unbelievable for a period of time. Um, and then, you know, Christy, you know, kind of got things going a little bit. Um, yeah. he was sort of the answer on offense in the first half. I thought 21 points that game, like, good and day. then in the second half, I became much more encouraged by this team in a number of ways. Um, you know, we saw a lot more from Gabe. I think Gabe ended up being kind of the story of this game, you know, just being a dude taking the game over when yeah. someone, you know, the question has been, and I, I kind of think we've known that it's been Gabe for a while now. You know, he is of all the guys on the team right now, the, kind of playing the most above his station. I think, you know, maybe you could say Bingham is a more important piece because of what he does down low. Yeah. But in terms of leadership, in terms of taking the game over, in terms of hitting big shots at opportune times, in terms of, as we saw taking over the, the team in the huddle a couple of times, we, that was, I saw him yelling at Marky once because, Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, I don't know that I've seen that out of gate before. No, I mean, he, you know, he'll, he'll get into it with guys every once in a while. Like on this felt more like this is Gabe being, this is my team now. Yeah. And almost like the, uh, the, what's the, the movie Captain Phillips. Like I'm the captain now. Look at me. Uh, look at me. Look at me. Yes. It felt very much like that moment, but it was, uh, I mean, Gabe was Gabe was a leader um, in vocally. He, you know, was uh, an encourager. And yeah, his I mean, I, though, so Max Christie went seven for nine from the field, mm-hmm. scores 21 points. Like that's an objectively great game. Great Gotta game. With that. But telling to me is that Gabe went six for 15 and. You know, you could easily say oh, that's that's worse. I the fifteen I think is important. I think that's a reflection of a guy who's who's saying no, no, no. This is not going to go down this way. Mm-hmm. That's a guy who puts volume up because he knows he's expected to put volume up when it matters. And and so to your point, yeah, I, I Gabe had a great game. Fourteen points, four steals. Kevin, four steals, two blocks. Gabe got it done on the other side of the court, which I don't know that I've seen that from Gabe Brown before. Yeah, no, um, it it was uh, it was pretty impressive. I was pretty happy with what we saw from this team in the second half. Um, Can we talk about a couple other things? <laughs> yeah, there the the point guard situation, which we kind of thought was trending very much in one direction, is sort of sputtering right now. Is that fair to say? Like. I thought Walker had an okay game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he went two for three from behind the arc, puts up 10 points, has two steals, five assists. You might, you might say, but he had two turnovers, 
But let me say AJ Hogard said, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I think Tyson Walker was fine. It is not what we need from Tyson Walker, but well, he was there, fine. There was some stuff that we do need from Tyson Walker. For some reason, they were letting off him on the three-point line. They were like going under on screens. They were giving him space. He needs and to make people pay for that now. He attempted three. He made two. I would like to see that number go up. Yeah, I, we, I think Tyson Walker needs to be in the five-plus range. Yeah. yeah, he needs to be... I'm sure Izzo's telling him this exact same thing. Um, but he he needs to be a guy that looks for his shot a little bit more. Um, had five assists. Like, on when you're looking at the box score, it doesn't really tell the tale of watching the game where it was, like, not so sure. Like, the, the offense, especially in the half court, was just not running as well as it had been Mm -hmm. before with Tyson Walker. And then you put in AJ AJ Hogarth, and of course he had those seven turnovers, but he gets the team in transition. He moves the ball up the court. He does that, goes straight to the the basket, make stuff happen type of type of thing. And the minutes tell the tale, like Walker still was favored, played 22 minutes versus Hogarth's 20, but we were expecting there to be a bigger widening gap between those guys in the amount of time spent on the floor. And it's getting a little bit harder. Like AJ Hogard, in spite of the turnovers, in spite of some of, you know, his limitations in terms of dishing the ball when he gets that head full of steam, although he's been starting to show that a little bit, I can see where it's tough. If you want if you want to move the ball in the fast break, if you want to run that kind of that style of basketball, I can see where he's got a role on this team. Yeah, I mean, I think I've said before that uh, AJ Hogard is, I mean, it's it, it, the analogy isn't perfect because he plays fast, but he's your off-speed pitch, right? Mm-hmm. Like that he presents something so wildly different that it's 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 an effective combination because you can't you can you cannot uh play the same style of defense when it it you know the the change in the point guard happens but i'll say this tom izzo has a quick hook when it comes to tyson walker turning the ball over but aj hogard turned the ball over 7 <laughs> times that that is more than one turnover every three minutes of game time. Like, yeah, I, I am baffled by this. And, and, and I, 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 of, of 19 turnovers of the 19 turnovers. I mean, that's like, well, that's what 40% of them. I mean, <laughs> Oh my God, man. Like I don't, I don't, I see an important role for AJ Hogarth on this team. It, it's clear, not only, you know, for as much as made as about him working on his body in the offseason, it's clear he worked on his shot in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Like he's not perfect there, but he can shoot in a way that he couldn't last year. Um, yeah, uh, he likes that mid range game. He was uh, three for five can, on, on twos. He, he um, can hit a three now. He, he, I mean, it was ugly last year whenever he took a shot there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and so what's crazy though is that despite those turnovers, he still ended up with a better plus minus than Tyson Walker. Yeah. I mean, that's what we were talking about before. It doesn't show up in the box score. It doesn't tell the tale 
Um, but it, it, the the half court, which is where you would want Tyson Walker to sort of take over and impose, you know, run the offense, make his contributions. It just was not working in this no. game. And it took Gabe Brown kind of willing this team into, you know, jump starting it a little bit. It took some other guys playing well in their roles. Like I, I know Max Christie had a career high, right? With 21 points. And we haven't really talked about him a ton yet, but, um, so Max Christie's plus minus came out at zero. Yeah. It, it, it would be nice if we were further along with this, if we had continued that trajectory that we seem to be on with the point guards. And I'm worried now that this is sort of like a, if you've got two point guards, you get no point guards type of situation. I'd like one of these, I'd like Tyson Walker to sort of refine himself and kind of go back to being that point guard archetype that he seemed to be headed towards. Yeah. And, you know, I guess maybe that's an okay point to transition on that you hope that he's had a bit of a break now that he can refine himself. Um, because the the problem is, is that when AJ's on the floor, as much as I, again, all the nice things I said about him, uh, the half court doesn't work with AJ on the floor. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is clearly less, even, even Tyson Walker not being great in the half court is still better than AJ Hogard in the half court. And, and so as we, as the schedule starts to ramp up, you know, we're going to play Wisconsin on the road, uh, in the near future. Um, you know, that's a place that they're going to make it half court only. So you, you've got to be ready. Um, and, and Tyson Walker has got to refine his mojo because this, I, I think AJ is good at, at 12 to 15 minutes. I think that's where you want AJ Hogard. Um, and, and the, the other sad thing is Kevin, and we're going to get to the, the addition to the team in a little yes, bit. Yes, Michael, tell me what the other sad things are. Well, is we're either becoming a team exclusively of guards <laughs> or Tom's processing some folks out. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> Elaborate on this. I mean, we, you got Jade Nakins, right? When, and maybe he's just going to be a two. Tyson Walker has years of eligibility left. Mm-hmm. You're bringing in Trey Holloman. Mm-hmm. And then I think, I think AJ technically can be around when uh, Jeremy Fears comes. We're going to talk about Jeremy later. But like, how many point guards is that on a team? Well, it's better, as we've seen, than no point guards. Is <laughs> sure. it not? It, uh, it is. Before we move on, and I appreciate that you're trying to bridge this over. I, a couple things that I want to call out here. One is... Christie had a great game, but he was able to have that game within himself. One of the big benefits yes, of, yes. of Gabe kind of coming alive and starting to impose his will, again, it doesn't show it in the box score, but that was what was happening on the court, is that Christie doesn't have to play that role. You don't have to look at, you know, you, you don't have to look at him in the huddle and just be like, okay, McDonald's All-American, do your McDonald's All-American thing. Right. It can happen in the course of the game. And that's how his box score looks so good. You know, he shot spectacularly well, but it operated in the offense. So I've noticed that Izzo's calling more plays specifically for him. Um, and he's taking advantage of those opportunities at the right time. And 
I think this is fantastic for a freshman to be able to contribute within the flow of the game and for him not to feel like he has to overdo it. Do you know what name we have? And this gets him back though. This gets him back. Sorry, just that that this process gets him making buckets so that if it gets to the point where he, it's like go do McDonald's all American things, we've processed him into that instead of just, handed them the keys immediately, which I think there was a little bit of that happening early on a little bit. And we kind of reset. And, and this, I think this is a good evolution for Max Christie that if the plan is to have Max Christie going off in March, like we're, we're on that pathway now we are, but yes, names that we didn't mention. I assume we're going to talk about the five. Uh, no, I was going to talk about Joey oh, Hauser. Oh, cause we speaking, need to talk about the five, but go ahead. Speaking yeah. of guys that are starting to operate, in the offense and just in the, and the defense in the team, in their role and having things going well with grabbing boards with, you know, he was tied for the most assists in this game with five. He and Walker both had five assists. Now this isn't the magic Johnson slinging the ball around stuff that Tom Izzo was talking about when he showed up on campus, but it's something. Five assists, five assists, eight boards, only three points. Um, but, you know, uh, Joey Hauser ends with a plus minus of 10. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Joey had a, a game that I'm not going to get on him about because that that's the game you need from Joey Hauser if he's not filling up the buckets. And that's OK. Like if he had been playing like that earlier on, I don't think we would have been as harping on. But he wasn't getting the boards. He wasn't passing the ball well. Like he was turning it over. He still had three turnovers in this game. but. Um, you know, uh, Malik had a fine game. We'll just say like Malik had a, a very Malik game, 12 points, six boards, two assists. Like that's a good game. That's yep. a great game. Yep. Uh, but we should talk about the five because Marcus Bingham ends up with zero in the plus minus category. Julius Marble somehow is in the plus because I thought he played garbage defense. Well, does that just mean that he played in the second half? I mean, yeah, maybe uh, like so Marcus Bingham ends with uh, four points, no blocks, four rebounds. Uh, I. That that to me is a Marcus Bingham of last year uh, stat sheet. Mm-hmm. It, it's worse because he had 19 minutes on the floor. Yeah, I, I I'm, I'm willing to I'm just calling it out like I'm, I'm yeah. willing to Marcus Bingham's been great, but. Julius Marble only had three points, three boards. Like, I, I need, we, we as a team need more out of the five spot if this team's going to be successful. Marcus Bingham cannot go quiet later on in the season. It's only getting harder. This yeah, was Nebraska. If the other game this week had been played, he would have been the most important player on the floor uh, mm-hmm. for, for the Spartans. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it, uh, he and Walker, like, we saw things from those guys earlier in the season and kind of in the same way we've talked about with Malik Hall of, like, can you just start giving it? Give me 75% of that every night. Can we yeah. can we do something like that? Um, it would be nice to sort of get back into that range. Um, yeah. Sissoko, in spite of Bingham's numbers, only played five minutes. Um, Pierre Brooks only played two. Um, so those things that we Pierre were saying Brooks about came them, on when it was 
when it was out of hand and didn't matter. Um, Jay Nakins down to 12 minutes. We kind of expected him to sort of be more imposing his will. Uh, Took some shots that I didn't love, and maybe that's why it was only 12 minutes. Um, But, you know, we're kind of figuring out exactly the allocation of the minutes, but I think it's safe to say that Brooks and Sissoko are outside the rotation right now. Yeah, and I I suspect that Aikens probably finds himself, uh, he's either going to grab some minutes, or I I don't think we see him disappear. But, Mm. you know, four points, three boards, two steals, like, it's not great for 12 minutes, but it's, you know, it could be worse. Um, and, And you just, you see the freshman in him at times, but you see such immense talent that, uh, you want to give that guy as much rope to figure it out as possible. I think. Indeed. Um, so the game that wasn't, shall we? To the Michigan Wolverines. Pour to, one out, indeed, bro. What a mess of a team. Yeah. Oh my. So the rumors, and they're no longer rumors. We we have good reporting from Brendan Quinn at the at the Athletic and and others about what the actual situation was in that building on Friday night. Um, but the, the effect, the net effect of it was MSU. Well, so let's lay out MSU was supposed to play Michigan at two 30 on Chrysler. Saturday at Chrysler and at Chrysler and around midnight ish on Friday slash Saturday, Michigan canceled the game because of Wolverine, because of COVID within the Wolverines program. So just want to lay that table in case somehow people missed that. Yes. So not just a little bit of COVID, it sounds like. I mean, we knew that this team, this Michigan team had problems. They were out three guys effectively, I believe, against Rutgers in that loss on the road at the rack. Um, But now it sounds like there were four guys potentially available to play on Saturday, uh, plus one more if they were willing to burn a red shirt. Um, I thought they were at six for some reason, six or seven with, I with, burn, with burning red shirts. What we know is that there were, they had COVID as a result of potentially their trip to, uh, Orlando, to Florida, to Orlando. Um, things were progressing within the team. It sounds like a guy was actively sick at shoot around on Friday and the net results of the testing round that they did as you know, because of that was just a complete mess. Um, it, uh, it sounds like there's just not a system over there. I mean, do you even want to play a team that is as dysfunctional? Said that, said that, like, do you even want to play Michigan right now? Like, like these, you still have to go. Yeah. You have to run up and down the floor with these, these jabronis. You have to deal with their coaching staff that doesn't know what the hell is going on. Like, I I understand being upset as a fan about this, and I was too. Like, I wanted to see these teams play. You had a great observation that you put on Twitter of like, you know what? We don't even need to reschedule this. They need this game more than we do, which is definitely true. They need the opportunities for quad one wins. Like, yeah, they we should need- not be taxing ourselves in the middle of our schedule just to satisfy their need. And their need for gate revenue, their need for quad one wins. We don't need that. No. I mean, am I bummed we're a half game behind now? Sure. I don't really care, though. I don't. Like, I, I, am, I am more angry about their, you know, because 
I know a lot of people said that Michigan was ducking us. And like, look, there's plenty of, of, of pattern and practice from other portions of the Michigan athletics department that, yeah, it's easy to say that, but like, it's a pandemic, you know, I, as someone who dodged this shit for two years and then finally got COVID, like it's coming for us all. Omicron is coming for us all. Says you, man, so, I survived New Year's. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but what's disappointing really about all of this is that that they clearly do not have good protocols. No. And don't and don't care. No. Like how does a guy show up to shoot around with cold symptoms? Yeah. They're clearly like, as dysfunctional as a team off the court as they are on the court. Like how how does this it, happen? And you can't, and, and, you know, cause I'm sure like, I I'm sure there's Michigan state listeners that, that want me to say that they were ducking us. And I'm not going to say that like, I, as satisfying as it would be, like, I don't think that's true because I mean, they need, they needed this game more than we did. They probably, it's, it's probably not as a program. They're scared. It's probably individually as players, they're scared. So they found out who was sick and they like sort of nestled up next to that guy <laughs> to get out of this game where they were going to be humiliated. Right. Um, <laughs> but, but like they, they want the money from the gate revenue. They want the quad one win. Like they want these things and, and they got COVID like that. And that there's, there's zero guilt or shame in getting COVID. But what I will guilt them about is that just because there aren't rules that require you to test people, like if you start getting positive cases, you should test everybody. You should find out immediately who else might be asymptomatic. Like, do something to stop the spread within your own team. And that we, because also you have the resources to care for these student athletes that a lot of people don't have access to. So like it, it, it's, I'm also saying you were a bit callous as to whether your players got this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm not even talking about Michigan State right now. Like, and I will get to in ways in which I think what they did was messed up. But like, you you don't care. You clearly didn't demonstrate the appropriate care considering your resources for the spread of the virus. You didn't care about the well being of your student athletes, and you're holding practices with people with cold symptoms. Like, how, where are we going to get in this pandemic for us to say if you're sick, stay home? Yeah, COVID or not. And you know what, if you look at it, if you're Jawan Howard or whoever, and you look at it like, these are, these are, you know, fine young men, they're not going to die from no COVID. You know, it's not entirely about that. Uh, the rumors or the, the reporting seem to state that two of the guys that previously had COVID reported for shoot around, then discovered they're just not in sound basketball shape to participate in a game. I mean, that could be a potential long-term program, you know, issue for them. If guys aren't even able to be healthy enough to practice, um, you you're gonna miss you miss now the Purdue game. Like those are two prime opportunities for you home. as a program. Home. Two your home games against the best wins that you could potentially get. You miss both of them. Maybe both of them get rescheduled. Maybe not. Um, and and some of your guys are getting sick and they're not able to come immediately back. You know, 
who knows how long it's going to take those guys to come back? Who knows how long it's going to take the other guys that are now sick to come back? I mean, your, your program is a mess right now. And, and you can't tell me that there wasn't an opportunity for you to change this. Exactly. Exactly. With a little care, with a little testing, you could have avoided this situation. And, and I, I will say the big 10, the NCAA, whoever you want your boogeyman to be could and should do more here because it shouldn't this sort of ostrich approach to like, let's just not test people and see if it, if it works out fine. But, but the thing is leaders and best, you could test people if you wanted to, no one's telling you, you can't test people. This is the result of you not being responsible for these things. All it took you, you could have had one positive case and probably avoid all of this with proper testing and maybe do some contact tracing or some, some close contact, make people sit out for a little bit. Maybe, maybe you have to put two more people in quarantine instead of the whole team, you know, whatever it is, this is a situation that could have been avoided at a critical juncture in your season where the two best wins that you could have potentially had, were going to walk into your building, your team desperately needs to get better it's not like they're practicing during this time you know yeah and and now you you're worried about getting better from covid like the only benefit is maybe there's a miracle and they figure it out and then you get msu and purdue at the end of the season when you might have a chance of beating one or both of them um but you really got to turn it around from where you're at right now i and so let's just talk about sort of the Michigan state basketball teams, uh, uh, frustration with this, because I, I think that's also worth mentioning is that they were peeved that none of this was communicated until the wee hours of the morning and not like, Hey, we have someone sick who is part participating in shoot around. We're going to test everybody. Yeah. And, and I would just say this because I, I, I overheard, uh, Dylan Burkhart from uh, a site um, site. (laughs) say that like, well, you know, but do do you do that? And then, you know, now you're messing with their head and they can be grumpy about that. It's like, no, 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 no. Let's if if you're going to go on the like, if if you're going to get miffed at MSU fans downplaying the severity of the pandemic, then then act like it's a pandemic, which is to say that you should be communicating these things. If you were going to have people over for the holidays, but someone in your house came down with cold-like symptoms and you were going to go get PCRs, you would communicate that to your guests. Right. But instead, <laughs> y'all let us do walkthroughs and shoot-arounds and like, because maybe they find a gym at, like, maybe they go to Pioneer and do a shoot-around. Like, I, I don't know. But you should have erred on the side of information and transparency. And that lack of humility and bravery and just decency, man, like I get being miffed about it. Not that you're sick. No one's miffed that you're, well, I mean, I'm a little miffed that you're sick in in the sort of totality of the outbreak of the program, but no one's mad that someone gets COVID. Like there's, there should be no shaming of people getting COVID. Talking about that that analogy of you know inviting people over and letting them know you know communicating that you're going to get tested and all that stuff. This is the equivalent of inviting everyone over for New Year's Eve, and then when they show up at your house, there's just a sign on the door that says "Sorry, COVID," and all the lights are off in the house. 
<laughs> and like they they drove over, they got all gussied up. Like there couldn't have been a text that was like heads up, you know, so and so has a cold, we're gonna get around a test, just FYI. Like, how are they not PCRing like it was last year with the the way it was spreading with I mean, man, like, look, I, it shouldn't have gotten this far. And I, it, it, other teams point. are going to have this problem. It, it's there's potential that MSU has this problem, but and I will be pissed it, if they don't manage it better. Like I yeah, will, I to have genuinely it to this degree that. and to handle it this way would be disappointing. Yes. So I we don't have to dunk on them anymore. And I I, I I'm sure that our Wolverine listeners are not pleased with that. And I'm sure our MSU listeners aren't pleased that we're saying they're ducking it. But like. These, that we're choosing these are, not to say that they're talking. But these are the, like these are actual things that should have been done, and and you and yet honestly, you probably would have played shorthanded. I, I the the frustrating thing about Izzo is I know he would have played shorthanded. Yes, yeah, absolutely but would have played. but it, I know also Izzo wouldn't have let this happen. So or I. I assume he wouldn't because that dude seems to be like freak out about COVID. Uh, just on the, on the uh, subject of the university of Michigan and its COVID protocols. Do you remember all the way at the beginning of the pro- uh, pandemic last year where Harbaugh when they said they was, had the best Harbaugh was inviting people to campus to show them how good he was at COVID. And then they like <laughs> had to cancel the back half of the year and then all these other games. And that's just like that. That is the University of Michigan to me. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. Now, now our few Michigan fans are really miffed. But like, truly, the arrogance of being like, come we're better see. than the virus. Come see come. all, all. You know, we we've been rolling the dice lucky for three weeks, and you know, we were born on second base. We hit a double. Come, come look, come look upon us. See our grandeur. See our might. And uh, and then just to have it fall apart, just to have your pants fall down, soil yourself, roll through it like this. That's the University of Michigan to me. Yes, yes, that is uh, that is spot on an unseen foe. We are better than it. All right. That's that's right. Death. Very Ozymandias. Speaking of people uh, having uh, overconfidence and then (laughs) and now potentially being in a position to be proven woefully wrong, uh, there is actually a bridge between the football program and the basketball program. Two of them uh, in (laughs) by the names of Carr and Coleman. Uh, Jonesy, do you want Keon Coleman? Yes. Do you want to uh, talk about this? (laughs) Yeah, let's just run. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it. We will spend time on it when it happens. It's but- important, though, because I have been so certain that this is not going to take place. And now I have to admit, things are moving in a direction that is giving me some pause about those statements that I made in previous yeah, prognostications. With, very Michigan-esque of you and your yes, prognostications. Exactly. Uh, so Malik Carr tight end that we mentioned earlier, you know, transfer from Purdue, uh, is, uh, you know, wanted to play basketball and football. And that was by all accounts, one of the reasons that he was leaving Purdue. Um, and so Michigan state said, Hey, and, uh, you know, 
he's looking to to play some shooty hoops. Keon Coleman, also originally a Kansas commit, flipped to Michigan State uh, with the understanding that you know the opportunity there would be the opportunity for him to play basketball if that made sense. Um, Malik Carr and Keon Coleman were at the last game, sitting behind the bench. They yeah, not just at the that. last game. They weren't in the stands where the football players usually sit. They were. <laughs> Like second row, second row on the bench, kind of kind of almost part of the team. <laughs> yeah, uh, they have been spotted at uh, practice uh, doing a little shoot around action. And Tom Izzo has said that it will be first a conversation between him and Mel Tucker. And then a conversation between him and the players um, and them and Mel Tucker as well about whether they it sounds like whether they'd be allowed to do it in the first instance. Um, but he described it as a family decision. So I I think what Tom is, was trying to say is like, you know, there may be a conversation that is guys, it really would be most important and best for you to just participate in winter conditioning. Um, but you know, I, I think Tom Izzo is to turn it back to the university of Michigan, keenly aware that he may be short bodied at some point in time. And, uh, that, uh, that these would be extra bodies that are potentially able to play minutes for him. I I don't know, man. This is this is this is as surprising to me as anyone. It's not you. You're taking you. You're you're getting some satisfaction out of this. I we don't have. Uh, I mean, it's so rare. Like I, videos. I, I, uh, between the two of us, but I know that he's over there with that smug look on his face, <laughs> understanding the way that this is trending, understanding that now at this point, even if they don't ever play, he knows that I'm uncomfortable, which is enough for him in some ways. Oh and, yeah. Uh, the crow I, will uh, be served. Yeah. I, I'm not entirely thrilled with how this has played out so far, but at the same time, these were, these are Spartans. They were told that they would have these opportunities. So if they're willing to put the work in, I'm going to be happy for them if it happens. Yeah. And and I'm curious to what degree they might be able to split some workouts in some way, you know, maybe get some football conditioning in because it's, it's, you know, I, I don't know. It, like these are two people who Malik Carr for sure, likely Keon Coleman will be contributors next year. Well, the only real case of a two-sport athlete in my time as a Spartan fan is oh, Matt oh, Trannon, who oh. very much uh, contributed in football and then got playtime in basketball. Like, even Deion Sims, when he was wearing a Spartan jersey, um, was not really contributing on the football team yet, if yeah. I recall correctly. So, yeah. Um, that's fun. I can't wait to eat the crow on that one. Uh, there is movement, uh, personnel wise in the 2023 class. There was a commitment this week by one Jeremy fears, uh, six, two point guard, um, high four star recruit number 31 overall in the class of 2023. Uh, Jonesy, anything you want to say about, uh, the first commit, right. Of 2023. Yeah. Yeah, Of what I, Hope is a large class because Tom can't keep banking scholarships. Uh, So I I think there's a few things to know about Jeremy that um, first, uh, by all accounts, is a considered a plus on the defensive side. So, you know, I the way I view 
those kinds of statements about high school product project uh, prospects, sorry, is that they may not be quite ready for the college game, but that if if they're putting the work in on defense at AAU and and the high school level, then that probably means that they value that as part of their game and will get up to speed sooner rather than later. Um, so that's that's a a big deal in terms of is a guy going to see some floor time? Right? Yeah, and, and if you're a Spartan fan that you feel a little pang, like the hairs rise on the back of your neck when you're like, oh, defense first point guard, huh? The good side of this is he does have a shot and he's also 6'2". It's not like he's undersized uh, defense plus point guard. So yeah. um, the, some yeah. of the knock that I, because he chose MSU over Michigan and Illinois, some of the knock that I read, particularly from Illinois fran, uh, fans, was that maybe that the three point shot isn't coming along quite like oh, people were that, speculating? That's this could not be, the knock I heard, but that sounds like what's a the knock you lever. heard. Uh, so there were a number of Illinois fans saying that he wanted the keys to the car, and okay. it's like, do you know who Tom Izzo is? Yes, yeah, a uh, bad news. <laughs> bad news <laughs> well, about this. That, that's not that. That's not a thing that happened at all. But I, I, I mean, a a school that didn't get chosen tends to all of a sudden have a very different opinion about sure. group. Yeah, of course. Of course. Always. Um, I think it's his vision though, that, I mean, he can score dude can score all three levels. He can drive, you know, he, he, he can shoot the two can shoot the three, you know, at what level of the three, I guess, you know, TBD, but um, he, it sounds like the thing that he's best at is his ability to pass into high percentage shots. So um, he has really great vision, strong passer, uh, has uh, embraced the, the, the moniker, the floor general. Um, so I, he's got some swagger to his game. I, I like the kid as a pickup, and it sounds like he it sounds like he's getting to play for his dream school, which yeah. is another big deal. I, I like this pickup. This is a this is perfect for MSU as a program. High four star. Yeah, you know, on the plus side, runs the offense, and if everything stays the way that it is, will not be put in a situation where he's asked to do too much as a freshman. Because as we've discussed on this podcast time and time again, it is tough to be a freshman point guard in the Big Ten. Um, yeah. Anything else on basketball before we preview? Uh, no, cause I just saw the timestamp. So let's rock and roll. Yeah. Tell me so, about Minnesota, buddy. So, uh, as everyone will recall, MSU won the first game at the barn 75, uh, 67, which it actually, that game was pretty well in hand throughout and the gap sort of like closed at the end. Um, since then Minnesota's kind of stagnated, you know, they're, um, 86 they overall Ken Palm, um, Ten and three overall. Recall that uh, our game against them was their first loss of the year. They really hadn't played yeah. anyone. Um, they're still, you know, defense first in terms of their efficiency numbers. Sixty fifth overall in uh, adjusted defense on Ken Palm. One hundred and first in offense. Um, they're the Big Ten has not been kind. You know, they beat Michigan. I don't know if we talked about that on the podcast, but they they have a uh, their only Big Ten win is against Michigan. Their losses on the road too. Yes, yeah, at Chrysler. Their losses are to us, of course, and then they lost their last two games handily to Illinois by twenty three points, and also lost to Indiana, who's 
Interesting. I, I watched the Indiana Ohio State game. Uh yeah. that is a bit of a resurgent team right now. It's um it's interesting times down there at uh at the old assembly hall. Do you think um, Dane Fife gets booed when he comes into uh, to uh sorry, the Breslin? I was wondering about that when I was watching that game. Like I are was we gonna that, yeah. put like a package up of like Dane Fife like Tweets. on the <laughs> <laughs> Tweets? tweets you know he's like on this on the sideline you know he's got his like grim dane fife face on maybe he he does get a little like excited every once in a while but like i wonder what what we're gonna do to you know welcome him back to breslin i hope we're a little unkind honestly i I hope we're a little unkind i don't think that's the system i don't think that's how that system works but um going back to because this is a minnesota uh preview um defense defense as i said was this team um particularly on for three points their three point defensive stats have remained pretty good so um just as a uh refresher on some of their guys uh jameson battle uh george washington transfer is continuing to have a pretty good season you know he's a forward he likes to take threes he plays basically the whole game um but like then also team what's up like everyone else on their team yeah yeah uh not not a lot of uh rotation going on over there in minnesota um the other dude that you got to keep an eye on is peyton willis um who you'll recall started at vanderbilt played at minnesota sat out a year because that that do we remember when you used to have to sit out a year when you transferred <laughs> So like, dumb. I barely do. <laughs> so much has changed. I'm since so then. glad we changed that. But yeah. And then he did that like weird boomerang thing to Charleston where he, he transferred and then transferred right back. Anyway, uh, loves it. Like he thinks he's a combo guard, but he has like two assists a game. Um, but he has been shooting on the year pretty well from three, but really poorly in Big Ten play. For for what it's worth, in the four Big Ten games that they've played. He's at like 30% big uh, three-point shooting instead of his like season average of 44. So as, as the uh, competition level has increased, uh, you know, his three-point level has inversely decreased, but he has it in him. You know, he can make those shots. So uh, those are kind of the things to watch. Anything, Jonesy, that you remember from the Minnesota game that we should add to this? Uh no, I think I think that's right. Is that it's Willis and Battle, and it, they they run like a pick and roll, and like that's the that's the game. Yeah, those but are I, their plus guys. And I had the box score up. How did those guys perform in the last game? I had it up. I had it up. I mean, not Battle played every single minute in the last game. Oh my god. Um, yeah. Willis only had nine points. Um, Curry actually was their second plus player. He had 18 points. So we'll see. He shot really well. He shot nine for 14 um, from the floor, but that is not, that's not been his profile on the season or even in big 10 play. So we'll see what happens, but uh, do we know what the line is on this game? No, I didn't look at that. Okay. It's, it's going to be MSU favored by like, I would bet eight, seven, nine. Yeah. Something yeah, like probably that. right. Yeah. Uh, and you kind of hope actually that they cover. I think this is a I think this is a game that you. 
if you can get to the 10 plus range, because I think that improves the value of your win. Um, I think that's what you want uh, from an RPI standpoint. So I'm trying to find this and I'm not seeing it. Um, it may worth, be too early. Worth noting, if you're feeling comfortable, um, there are tickets available to this game. Uh, there are folks and fair enough. I'm one of them that are choosing not to go to these types of uh types of events but if you're vaxxed and boosted and you're feeling okay and you don't get to go to a lot of msu games because basketball games can be expensive this is an opportunity to go to a big 10 basketball game for you know just grab that kn95 you know what i mean yeah dude it can be done it can be done um and besides we're all gonna get this shit eventually that's where i'm at (laughs) it's coming for you next greg uh, Eat at Arby's. <laughs> All right. What about Northwestern? All right. Saturday the 15th at the Breslin. Uh, Northwestern having kind of an okay season. Uh, Ken Palm 45, 42 in offense, uh, 63rd in defense. Um, Masochist. Not to remember. stop you, but we should just, instead of previewing the Northwestern team, we should preview who the officiating crew is. <laughs> Yes, because uh, folks will remember it was a bajillion fouls that were called uh, when we played them. Um, some notes from that game. Uh, Joey Hauser had an amazing game. He ended plus 21, uh, recorded 10 points and nine rebounds. Uh, Malik Hall had a silent game, and that tells me that this is a game that you need and want to see a rebound from Malik Hall. Um, he was bad. He was negative 19. So it, not only should you not see a duplicate performance, but I, I think we see Malik Hall as someone who um, can fill up the stat sheet in other ways than Joey Hauser typically has. Um, so you would like to see a, a difference there from him. Uh, this was also a game that Walker played bad in. Uh, his defense was not good. He had zero points four assists like it was not a good game from walker so you know i i only bring this up because these are places that you would expect a bit of a an improvement this was also the game that we were coming off of our our covid misses um so the team might have been kind of coming back together a bit um what was interesting is that northwestern's most effective starters uh were not particularly surprising in nance uh buoy and adige Mm -hmm. um Though Nance and Bowie were held below their season averages, so that was a strong indicator about our defensive performance. Uh, what was a bit bothersome, though, is that the backup center, Ryan Young, put up 11 points and 8 rebounds. Um, Marble and Bingham need to have better games here. Like That's a place that you should be shutting people down a little bit more than we did. Um, Marble, in particular, was also bad defensively in this game mm-hmm. and not so much a plus on scoring. So um, I-, I believe we struggled rebounding in this game as well for a little while. So, it, you know, there were just things that we didn't historically do well in that first half against Northwestern that I expect are cleaned up here and at least boosted by, uh, you know, the home crowd. So, you know, I, I certainly expect a W. Um, and I expect a more sizable than one than last time, but, um, you know, it's, it's Nance Bowie and Adige are, are going to get theirs. This team is also prone to taking bad shots. So if we're better defensively, 
you'll see lower percentage shots out of Northwestern. So um, they're a mature team though. And uh, you know, plays better defense than I think their Ken Palm number indicates. So I, I, you know, um, Northwestern's going to upset some folks. This is not one to sleep on. Yeah. And uh, how did you do this in the pronunciation guide where you ju- were able to just call him Bowie instead of saying Boo Bowie over and over again? <laughs> Boo Bowie. Uh, I made a point Bowie to, did to this, write Bowie did that. I made a point to write it just as Bowie so that I didn't uh, fall into that trap. Um, you want to head to Twitter questions? Yes. Yes. So two exciting Big Ten games this week. And, uh, you know, right now we actually get to play them. Uh, cause we have a program, uh, Kevin, can I, can I give an aside real quick? Yeah. Uh, I yeah. have just finished a 16 ounce, 8.3% beer. Uh, so I am ready for these Twitter questions. <laughs> All right, let's dial them up. Right. Uh, first up from a mop leaf number four, uh, if you were to design a trophy for winning your fantasy football league, Oh, there it is. There's the 8%. The mic's falling <laughs> down over there. Um, your fantasy football league, what would it look like? And what are the chances it's now in your possession? Jonesy. Don't care. Next question. Jonesy, this is a true fantasy of yours. Um, <laughs> design for me a trophy that you have very little chance of ever seeing. <laughs> um, it's it, it, it certainly is degrading to you in a way that this this might have an explicit rating but like i'm it's not family friendly what i want to say so uh, <laughs> i was waiting for you to be like fantasy football is is baloney the one true thing is espn bowl mania that is all that counts am i winning that you you won that what I there's not much, a national championship pick, how much money do i get i believe uh, i mean this is all up to Pardon me, a listener, Mike Jones. So do I get all of our sponsorship money? You sure do, buddy. All Uh, right. Side note, we're not having sponsors for a while. Anyway, moving on to number number five from Mamopoli. We're so popular. (laughs) With the recent focus on MSU's astronomy program, this is a reference to film and television, uh, due to the mention of the movie Don't Look Up, what celestial event caused you to look up and ponder what is the key to unlocking the deep past of humanity is this like a also a throwback to what was that terrible indiana jones uh with shia labeouf uh with the one with aliens spoilers yeah i never watched it that's Uh, the one where he also gets he gets in a uh refrigerator to survive a nuke like do we have to have both miss that can't we (laughs) just choose one what are we doing i do you usually look up at the night sky to think about the deep past of humanity. I guess you could think about I, like I look down normally to the dirt and the 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 physical features of our Earth. Uh, you know, like I when I was in the Grand Canyon, like, I thought about people living there. That's yeah, crazy. Mamopoli. I guess it's like, have we all looked You're up reaching. at the night sky at one point? You know, it's all one night sky. But I don't know. No. Uh, have you been following, sort of to piggyback off this question, the whole James Webb telescope saga? No, no oh. I know nothing about it. Uh, we'll have to follow up after this. Basically, you know the Hubble Space Telescope. The heir to the Hubble Space Telescope is on its way to um, to its position, like 
way on the other side of the moon um, where it's going to operate and do science for like 10, it sounds like maybe longer than 10 years, where it's just an incredible machine. Um, So we'll, we'll follow up separately on that you and i and talk about is there a michigan state connect it's not like the what is the probe that they just ran into the sun that was named after an msu alum uh parker i think space probe where it was uh they were doing science around the corona of the sun um but i'm sure you know i'm sure there was a msu alum involved with that at some point uh truly amazing machine uh anyway next up number six from the uh what could you talk for 30 minutes about with absolutely no preparation uh my belief uh you do listen to this podcast yeah for us i would have the most difficulty with this plum could truly talk about any subject for 30 minutes with absolutely no preparation and he could say the most confidence and be wildly incorrect. It like his talent for that is. I, I what would you describe that as? I mean, uh, I do seriously. There are times where I, where we can just throw something to him and he can just go off. And I'm just like, how do you have the capacity for this? Like I couldn't do that. I indeed, I think he's admitted many times things have been thrown to him and he wasn't, fully paying attention to what was being said <laughs> somehow kind of lands it, it works it works uh what about you uh, is there anything i think for you it might be more interesting what like have you been i don't know like is there i mean any- i cer- certainly like there's a handful of law things that i'm sure current lawyers would say like i'm not the best at but like i could certainly talk about law stuff for a while um, I think you and I had like a 30 minute discussion about some Supreme Court stuff before we we recorded this pod. Uh, and, you know, I I could certainly talk about my professional stuff now um, for, for that amount of time. But I don't know. Um, also, beers and alcohol are uh, I, generally I, I probably would put on that list. Yeah, I mean, as long as we're on the subject, my whole job is to get thrown. Yes, <laughs> to, yes, exactly. To yes. talk about something for 30 minutes. And sometimes I don't prepare as much as I should. So, um, Next yeah. up from Nate C. Uh, how can people think Harbaugh will leave the greatest football program ever? I mean, they've ever. won every single Big Ten championship since 2021. Dynasty. <laughs> I mean, I can't argue with that. Logic. Yeah, you've seen the rumors, though, yeah? Yes. So the rumors, if you're not paying attention, are that uh, I think it's primarily the Raiders are uh, are taking a look at him. But there's nothing yeah. concrete yet, right? Someone did point out that the hilarity of if he took Jacksonville just to, like, spite Urban Meyer would be. And honestly, I think I could even co-sign for that. Um, but, I, I mean... I don't know. Uh, Jim Harbaugh said he would do his current job for free. So I assume he's never leaving and that he will indeed do it for free because I take him at his word. (laughs) And that this isn't all a ploy to make more money because he wasn't full of shit when he said he would do it for free. Like 
so full of shit because things I know my coach wouldn't say is that he would do it for free. <laughs> Cause I know my coach would say, no, you're going to pay me what I'm worth. I will do it for uh nine and a half million a year. <laughs> like, so a get the fuck out of here, Jim Harbaugh and B, like Nate. Great question. <laughs> yes. Great question. Yes. Uh, uh, next up, uh, the listener, Mike Jones asks, what did you guys do this week? Anything fun? What were you doing at 2.30 on Saturday? What do you wish you were doing at 2.30 on Saturday? Oh, I was doing a nice uh, crochet at 2.30 on, on Saturday. Um, having, having a nice afternoon, and I wouldn't have it any other way. What about you? Yeah, uh, I ended up doing chores, uh, things that needed to be done around the house. And I assure you, I would have rather watched basketball. <laughs> but some people... Don't take COVID seriously. This comes uh, from the guy getting over COVID. Uh, next up from Mike Jones. Uh, daycare looks, was always a vector, Kevin. <laughs> looks like the fake Mike Jones. I co-signed that. Uh, will win the bull pick'em group. Give your score predictions for the title game Monday night. Georgia? Bama? Yeah, we usually don't talk about this type of stuff, but uh, who do you take on, uh, on Monday? So there are many ways in which I'm inclined to take Georgia. But the reality is Bro. that I will never, ever pick against Nick Saban. Dude. So what? I am I am picking Nick Saban 35-21. It's not just Nick Saban overall. I mean, you can point at Nick Saban in this matchup. Like, Oh, yeah. No, no, I know. Uh, y- yes, absolutely. This is a point where it's like, Georgia, until you prove it to me. Like, But so the, Georgia played Michigan in a way that, that showed me a, a – a degree of like, um, we want this back again. We, mm-hmm. we want it. We want Bama again. Yeah. And, and Georgia has the, the dudes to say, we want Bama. Most people do not have in Michigan included, do not have the dudes to say, we want Bama. That's where the uh, meme comes from. That's the whole, yeah. that's but the Georgia whole meme. does have the dudes. And so, uh, you know, I think Georgia puts up a fight, but like, I think Bama takes it authoritatively at the same time. I mean, I could see, you know, I think Bama underperforms their offensive output that they had last time. Like there's too many monsters on Georgia's defensive side, but they have the Heisman trophy winning quarterback, Michael Jones, the Heisman trophy winning quarterback. You attempted like seven passes against Cincinnati. I, I honestly think that Saban was like, we don't need to pass. No, I think Saban was like, oh, that dude won the Heisman. Wow. We're just need to take him down a notch. Because <laughs> <laughs> Saban probably was also like, did you guys see Ken Walker? Uh, yeah, no. Uh, anyway, Bama, Bama by Bama covers. Bama's under Bama not only covers, but they cover if the spread was the other way around. I'll say that. All right. Next up from Carl, you do too much, bro. Uh, how much does the Big Ten audit COVID cancellations? I haven't read the updates uh, to the bylaws, but it does seem at least odd that Michigan routinely experiences flares and positive cases they have before ranked opponents. Uh, is there any good data on other Big Ten programs to use as a comp? I mean... We've alluded to this, and Carl, you do too much, bro, speaks for the masses on this. In some ways, Michigan's COVID cancellations do seem opportune. Um, I, I, the reporting indicates that 
this one is not that. And and uh, I mean, honestly, if you were tracking their spread, it it probably like make it makes sense. It, it this is the the Occam's Razor thing, right? Like like their their hockey team clearly did dodge a program that happened. And then uh, Michigan fans will also point out that their hockey team also dodged like the NCAA tournament last year as a result of COVID. Like that's clearly not something you want to do. Um, but uh, yeah, the the Ohio State miss. And then, it, but I think, I think the problem for the basketball program that makes it a little bit complicated from a Michigan State fan perspective is that we came off of a COVID break last year and then got housed by Rutgers because we played the game that was supposed to be on our schedule next immediately after the pause. And Michigan said, yeah, I don't think I want to do that. Even though they could have played Illinois immediately after their pause. Mm-hmm. So they don't have a great track record yeah. of, of, you know, doing what they're supposed to do in spite of unfortunate circumstances. Yeah. If you want to make the argument that they're the boys that are crying wolf, it's hard for me to disagree with. I mean, there's, there's smoke to that fire. Yeah. Uh, I like mixing metaphors as much as I can. Uh, next up from CT and TC. Welcome back, my friend. Great episode for you. On a scale of Marjorie Taylor Green to QAnon, how would you rank MSU fans' reaction to the fact that they can't play a game in which a majority of their opponent players have an infectious virus? <laughs> uh, this is a great back-to-back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and CT, I, man, honestly, like, as someone who who defends uh, people who I think are bad faith actors of like just getting off jokes, like I, I mean, there's there's a track record there. Like I don't, I I'm not gonna. We, we I, must have scored a lot of points when we actually covered it. Other than when we were taking shots at them as a program uh, and who they are as people. Um, So (laughs) let's not ruin that for ourselves. I think, CT, I agree with you. The program is incompetently run, and that's why they weren't able to play the game. Yes. Um, Thank you. That's great. That's great. Well said. Next up from Joe. Also, Welcome back. Happy New Year, CT. <laughs> yeah. yeah, seriously. We missed you. We, we enjoy hope, you being here. I hope all and is well up in the TC. Getting the uh, dig. Great. Uh, next up from Joe Ashworth. Uh, in lieu of three questions, I want an answer from everyone on the pod. Well, we can't provide that from you, mm-hmm. for you this week, Joe. Well, we can. We can pod co-hosts can provide answers. Yes, that's right. Everyone who counts can, can provide answers. Um, what would be your NIL signature dish? Is this a th- are people like making money off of like? Well, so I think shows? it's a maybe no no no. I think it's a reference to like how Peyton Thorne has a, a, a burger. oh his yeah. burger at uh, at the Hopcats. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So Greg, I'll go first here. Yep. It takes um, a long time for me to come up with this kind of stuff, you know, because yeah, food so is not options. your forte. So uh, Joe, um, Greg, and I experienced this out when we went to the Rutgers game, mm-hmm. uh, we, we had our first experience with a fat, sh- a fat sandwich, which is a, a, a New Jersey staple and is closest to a dub or a con wrap, right? Would you say Greg? It's like a con wrap and a bun. Yeah. So I think, it, you know, my NIL signature dish slash 
thing I would do if I moved to East Lansing and I wanted to make some money is I would just sell drunk food on a sandwich. Um, and it likely would be, you know, I think I would probably do like some, some chicken fingers with some mott sticks, um, with, uh, pepper jack and, uh, baby. No, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go Michigan on this one, man. I'm going to go full ranch on this. Barf. Oh my God. Uh, so with like maybe, maybe some little, little spice in there, a little extra spice other than the pepper jack. That's what I'm going with. Um, my answer to your question, Joe Ashworth, um, is harken back to the matrix one. Uh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> number, remember we, we had a 30 minute conversation on the matrix four, which is interesting. We should have a companion podcast on the matrix four. I think it's worth talking about. I think it's interesting. I don't think it's a great film, but I think it's interesting. I, um, I would do a companion podcast of all the shit that we talk about before we record the podcast. Indeed. We could do the pre podcast podcast. Um, there's a scene in in the Matrix One where Goop comes down from the ceiling and they're eating on on the Nebuchadnezzar, and there's a debate about like if it has everything the body needs. If that Goop existed, I would just eat that Goop nonstop, and that I could be the spokesman for the Matrix Goop. It's got all the amino acids, it's got fiber, it's got everything the body needs. Get back to work, come on. Um, so that would be mine, Joe Ashworth. That mm, if, goop if, more often. If rice cakes, plain rice cakes weren't available, I'll take the goop from the Matrix. Uh next up from uh Gina Carnego. Carnego? Sure. Carnego. Gina, first time. Welcome. Welcome. Uh great question here. Can I say as an aside, I love when people that we've not ever known to listen to the podcast ask a first question. It like I enjoy finding out that there's these people in the world because the people who interact with us regularly, they they're a part of the show and it's fun. Yeah, I All agree. Right. That's too much sincerity for you. All right, go yeah, ahead. It, from Gina. Yeah, from Gina. Um, if it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, is it in fact a duck? And then she adds, duck, 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 duck. <laughs> Gina, these are these are the questions people are asking. And I think, you know, people are saying, I, I don't know what to say other than people are saying. If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Uh, in defense, you know, to we've, T we've or to Nick or to other we've people. We've defended plenty. Listening to the podcast. Like, it, uh, I mean, truly, this is what fandom is for, you know? The, these moments, these times. Yeah. Is it a little I, I just, weird because now it's about health? Yeah. But, but, but still, I mean, this is what uh, George Washington infected like half of his army because, you know, this is just Duan being a great general. That's all it is. Uh, Slash a duck. Up, next up from Mr. Neurotic Pants. Uh, this week on the Tom Izzo show, Tom Izzo reluctantly agrees to canceling the game, quote, saying, quote, nobody wants the fever, but Benicillin Barnes. Belly, belly aching. Belly, belly aching. Benicillin. Belly aching barn loungers grow no beans. Stevie Izzo is the center of the YouTube reality show, quote, being Tom Izzo's son. <laughs> and fans mock his weepiness and self-doubt, feeling jealous of Tucker. Mm. Wait, what is mm. feeling jealous of Tucker? What? I think, it, I think Tom like, is feeling a little bit jealous of Tucker in this situation. Uh, I love the insults that come out on the Tom Izzo show. 
Bellyache yeah. and barn loungers. Grow no beans, my Grow friend. Grow no beans. Uh, next up for Mr. Neurotic Pants, Izzo proposes next year's Midnight Madness involves cloning himself. Oh, wait, I think this was... Oh, no, no, you cut it. You cut it. It, it was feeling a jealous of Tucker. Izzo proposes next year's Midnight Madness involves cloning himself. Ah, I put it on another line. That's my bad, yeah. Mr. Neurotic Pants. I apologize. Um, but that is the only thing he's not done for Midnight Madness. <laughs> yeah. Is he... He does like the prestige thing where he shows up up in the corner of the I, I think Center. he could have Daniel Craig uh, parachute in with him. That would be a thing. Yeah. It would be difficult considering it's a closed stadium, but he could try it. If we were able to clone Tom Izzo, we would definitely not do the prestige thing where you you kill one of them every time. More more movie spoilers here today. Um, it would just be like the whole staff is Tom Izzo's. Like from a head coach down to the guy that uses the Libman mop on the floor. Uh, mm. Tom Izzo's all around. All around. All around. Uh, next up for Mr. Neurotic Pants. We can all agree that Juwan Howard uh, and the the ass weasels are terrible people and thieves of dreams. But COVID caution isn't necessarily a bad thing, is it? That's uh, where uh, we landed. I would say, well... I would say that COVID caution isn't necessarily a bad thing and they should exercise some of it. That's, that's my opinion. So, uh, I, cause Raymond, I, I, I don't have a problem with the fact that they didn't play with enough players. Like that's, that's fine. But like they didn't exercise caution. You, yeah. How does someone show up with cold symptoms? Anyway, uh, next, I up love this Mr. next question. Yeah, no, me too. Mr. Neurotic Pants, what is the what in this fever dream of a hell is an NFT? The fecal matter of late stage capitalism? It it do feel that way, doesn't it, Mr. Neurotic Pants? <laughs> it I mean, it's so dumb. It's I, I, it's so dumb. Sometimes... It is dumber than when when Spotify said that you could listen live to people talking. As if that wasn't radio. <laughs> we've we've brought in a brand new technology. The the number of things that sometimes tech bros like invent that people that are already in that industry must just look at and just be like, what? We have this. It's called Getty Images. You can have ownership of image property. Like, what are you talking about? And then they're like, hey, this one sells for 60 grand. And then like what is going yeah. on? <laughs> it's not even the image itself. It's the the link to the image is the thing that you own. It's crazy. Truly it's crazy. Wild. Of you know, this isn't a financial podcast, but we are so far down the looking glass and speculation in this market. It's not just NFTs. It's not just cryptocurrency. It's like the whole stock market has been speculation for so long. It's like, it's concerning. It's Apple 3T, baby. 3T. 3Ts. Three of them. Uh, next up, Mike Jones again uh, asks, on a scale of one to bitches, <laughs> why do you rank the Michigan basketball program as coward-ass bitches? I think that says it all right there. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew we were not going to get a lot of cosigns on our take, uh, and I hope that people have <laughs> have calmed slightly because uh, you should be more mad at the irresponsibility. I think that's where you should land. But yeah. uh, next up, the Keatsky, I think back again, back again, back again. 
Pineapple on pizza, thumbs up or thumbs down, Kevin Grack? I do a thumbs up. What about you? Me too. Same. I think it's interesting. Why not? I don't hate it. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Uh, Do you want to ask this next question? Yeah, second question. A lot of food this week. Uh, Second question from the Keith Ski, which is a great name. Uh, Barbecue rub, barbecue rub, vinegar sauce, mustard. What's your preference? Uh, So, I mean, most things I would put a rub on, Keith. Um, It depends on the meat, though, as to where I'm going to land on the kind of sauce. Uh, So... Pork, I am pro vinegar sauce. Like, give me some pulled pork with a vinegar sauce. But um, I will say I tried an Alabama white sauce on some chicken, and it was pretty fantastic. Uh, But give me something mustard tomato-based. I'm also into that. So it just depends. Yep. There you go. I'm not going to try to. Keith, you don't want my answer to this. Next up from John John Ellen. John John Ellen. Uh, would any of you guys be willing to buy Memphis slash U of M first round NIT tickets only to heckle Amani Bates in Michigan? No, that's Bamani Eights. Bamani Eights. Sorry, John Ellen. We don't know how to pronounce the names. <laughs> uh, and honestly, I think they get some of the gate revenue, so no. We're going to be busy in the tournament at that time, but yeah, I, um, I will be attention will be elsewhere. Oh, upper deck jerk guy. Brutal first question. Can we get an extensive breakdown on COVID and U of M Ann Arbor's uh, cancellation uh, from Alex Plum? Uh, This will probably be the opening segment. So I still get three more questions. Um, Uh, I will say, Upper Deck Guy, for whatever it's worth, Alex and I talked before the podcast and he was kind of in the same boat of like, how do you get to this point that, that you have this many resources available to you and you clearly were not doing the testing and quarantining that was required. So just want to point out here, upper deck jerk guy, you took four more questions as a result of that, but, (laughs) uh, but this next one, I think is the most important one, which is why is Grooch even still on the pod? What does he really bring? Well, can I just interject here, Kevin? Yeah. Uh, because no one wants to hear me talk alone. And some people can't be relied on to arrive today. So you end so, up with me, upper deck jerk guy. <laughs> me and my charming love of food. Yes. Uh, uh, next up from upper deck jerk guy, Jonesy, you've had some time to think about this. What's a good romance novel? Follow up. So really, we have five more questions. Uh, why are you reading him. romance novels? Uh, I don't have an answer for this one. I've actually never read a romance novel, but now... That he is negging me about it. I'm gonna I'm gonna get into a romance novel. Yeah. Why why not? We're post-gender upper deck jerk guy, okay? Romance no- novels are for everyone. Uh next up, uh, how do you think Gabe Brown would have done against U of M Ann Arbor? Uh lit it up. Lit, lit it, up. it up. Let it fly. Let it fly. They do struggle with the three-point shot. So that would have been a great opportunity for him. Uh, um, I honestly think we would have won this game well. Yeah. Well, I said during our preview that this was going to be close, but I also said in our group chat. I can have all the confidence in the world now because they ducked. Yep. Uh, finally, from the Upper Deck Jerk Guy, what are your vacation plans in 2022? Do you... You know, you don't have to give us dates and places, but like in general, what are you guys thinking about over there for vacation? Uh, so I'm planning a backpacking trip to Shenandoah. Mm. Uh, and then 
I think my son and I are going to go visit my folks in Scottsdale mm. um, at some point in time. So that's kind of what's on tap. Uh, at some point in time, I'm hoping that maybe this is the year that uh, the wife and I can finally take just like a vacation ourselves. So, but we have uh, some some aspirational goals that you know you know about, but that may uh, interfere with that. Yeah. So. Uh, we're keeping things domestic this year. COVID has cost us. Several international trips. Life is hard here, uh, but we're we're looking so at options. Um, the real question that this raises to me is: Where are we doing the can't read, can't write company retreat, twenty twenty two? Honestly, that's a great question because we need to cash out that sponsorship dollars. Yeah, dude. And uh, you, you can fly me out first class. I assume. Um, of I want to be next to people, and uh, and we can do something. I I do. I am. I think one of the bummers about uh, the way the virus is raging is that I had really hoped to come out for a a game a basketball game this year, and I just tough to do that. I, know now, I got it under the circumstances. Like, yeah, I just it just doesn't make sense. So um, I do hope that we can do a football game in the fall again, though. That would really make me very happy. So yeah, uh, well, happy Valley, buddy. Happy Valley. I kind of want. I'm looking hard at this Washington game. You know, if there could be a can't read, can't write tail boat or whatever it's called. What do they call it when they're tailgating on a boat? Sailgate? Sailgate is what it's called. Mm. I'd be I would be happy about that. Um, Save up, buddy. Get my plane fare. (laughs) Uh, Finally, from the Garve, prop bet of the week. Had MSU played U of M today, the margin of victory versus Mel Tucker's class ranking for 2023 over under. 13.5 13.5 Garf not lo- setting I- the uh the Vegas lines. I think it ended at MSU by three. Was the was where Maybe. the Vegas line kind of ended up? I think we started it in the I think we started in the plus, but yeah. Yes, we did start in the plus. I think we started plus one and then it ended up MSU three. Um I think it would have been I'm taking the over on on the class ranking because i think we might be done on football and i'm taking the no that's 2023 buddy that's 2023 i'm taking the under on both of these uh closer game and a higher class wait so so better ranked class is better yes closer game than 13 and a half points and higher ranked class than grek is a convert on mel tucker I think things are just trending in that direction right now, man. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say under on both. I, I think we flirt with that number, um, but I don't think we quite hit it on Mel Tucker's class. But honestly, flirting with that number, great, fine, solid, love it. Like, let's get there. Um, and I do think, you know, as much as, uh, you know, their graphics indicated that they were willing to commit to mazing out everything, even if it involved just like spray painting the chairs. So um, I think maybe we would have beaten them, but not by 13 and a half. So agree. And a second up from Garv kind of taken from your, your tweet. Is it just me or should we have not even cared about U of M canceling today? We deprive them of a Q one a opportunity and the game doesn't get Reese. And if the game doesn't get rescheduled, we only play them at home. And obviously uh, we don't want three games in six days. I was more upset. I just wanted to, because I just wanted to see the game. Yeah. I, I well, So I think 
we would agree that we both really wanted to see the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I I also agree. I do not think we should make our life harder just to accommodate them. Yeah. Um, and I think for folks who maybe don't know, do you want to explain kind of the quad thing in case people don't fully understand it? So now for the NCAA tournament, when the um, committee is looking at everyone's resumes, there there is a breakout in terms of the quality of wins and losses by quadrant. And it's the the RPI, right? Or is it the net? Yeah. And the, yeah. Uh, oh, yes. The net. And, and the quads change based upon where the team ranks, yep. but like whether it's at home or away. So yep. like a, a team that's ranked 40th away is a quad one win, but at home, that's a quad two win. Yep. So anyway. Um, I, we haven't taken lots on this. I'm, I'm betting there's a greater than 50% chance that this game gets rescheduled. Um, but that's it though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it would have been nice to play this game last weekend. It Finally, sounds like maybe the 19th is the day that it could happen. Well, there isn't built-in time like there was last year. There and was you can a- point to the Big Ten on that, but mm-hmm. you know we're we're operating as if we, what we knew about COVID in August is is true today, and the, their inability to be nimble on this is worthy of critique. And finally, from the Garve, if slash when Mel Tucker leaves MSU, is he more likely to go to Georgia or Bama? I don't think he cares. I mean, the the easy answer to this question is Georgia because he's actually got the Georgia ties. But yeah, um, but I mean, like if Bama opened up and he got the call, like I don't, I I don't, I don't think Mel Tucker cares. But I don't, you know, I think you got to hope we get the rocket ship off. Before then, because I don't know that Mel Tucker leaves if he's winning. Yeah. Like, I, that's that's where I'm at on it, is that if Mel Tucker feels like the rocket ship is going, then, uh, you know, I don't think he leaves just because it's Georgia or Bama. Yeah, his thing, it, and he has been consistent on this, is that he wants to win a national championship. And a lot of coaches say that, but... I don't think he's fucking around. <laughs> I think he can, wants to win a natty. It can be done. It can be done. And I, it would be easier at Alabama obviously but, but i i think i think that's a I, I, honestly in some ways like if you're giving the dude the resources and he's bringing in the recruits like i think that's a, a thing you can whisper in the ear of like you could do it here though and that that's different than doing it at bama that's because i mean it is you you don't do you you don't disagree or you don't agree rather like that with the monopoly that has sort of gone on at the top tier that to do it here is more meaningful in some ways. It's a greater hurdle. Mm-hmm. All right. To put um, it in sales terms, you could you could close a $10 million deal. Sure, you could work at X company where that happens all the time and there's a whole structure around All that. right, all right, all <laughs> right, all right. you could do it here. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, we yeah, talked yeah. about, we've talked about how Mel might have a more pragmatic approach as a coach just because he's been at other places. He's been passed over. He has been fired from gigs before. So having an appreciation for an environment like Michigan state where, um, you know, he can, he's given a certain amount of depth. He's obviously given the resources. He's probably not looking to just make a jump for the sake of making a jump. 
Um, but at the same time, all of that means that he probably appreciates a program where it's a little bit more easy mode at the same time. Yeah. I think it's right. Not that you can accomplish all of your goals at Michigan State. I truly believe that. But you can't say it's not easier at Bama. Yeah, no. No, no right one now, would say. In the wake of Saban, if Saban just like woke up and was like, I'm a feel I got a stomach ache. I don't want to be a coach anymore, which doesn't happen to robots. So this would never take place. But um all the infrastructure is there. It's just, it would just be the easiest situation to ever walk into. Although you never want to follow the legend. I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, I would say Georgia though, to answer your question, Garf. Appreciate you. Yeah. Uh, I think Kevin, where we should wrap on this is that generally speaking, it was actually a pretty great week to be a Spartan. Um, and I think what we're looking for out of this next week is this hoops team to provide some buffer and comfort that we haven't seen over the last few games. Um, so if I had to distill the pod into like one line, good week to be a Spartan, do better basketball. There we yeah. go. Didn't, All right. Didn't need the full runtime. There you have it. All right. Uh, buddy, uh, as always, a lot of fun. Go green. Go white Michael Jones.